0: You're listening to As Read By Me, the podcast where writers read and readers listen. Greetings and welcome back. I'm Dave Stiles bringing you angels, saints, and an epistle in today's episode of As Read By Me. First up, Peter Waits is back to share some big news with his story, Two Degrees of Separation from Me and a Saint. Then, Melinda Gordon makes a plea for peace and harmony with a poem entitled, Epistle to a New Order. And last up is Barb Stakes to tell us about a surprising late-night visit in her story entitled, Angel. Listen up.
1: My name is Peter Waits. This is a story about two degrees of separation between me and the saint. as read by me. When I was a little boy... I was told there are three degrees of separation between all the people in the world. Its meanings were that each of us is at most only three people away from knowing everyone else on the planet. We don't know the path to get to anyone in particular, but everyone knows someone so the paths are short and circuitous, and they do exist. A few years ago, you know who, that's my wife. She and I were visiting with some friends, a rabbi and his wife. And in the course of that conversation we were having, the rabbi mentioned that when his pulpit was in Chicago, his shul was merging with another one. There was no need for two buildings, and it was his that was being sold to a church. He was doing the negotiating. The negotiator for the church was Jesse Jackson. From this matter-of-a-fact conversation, we learned that you-know-who and I are just two degrees away from Jesse Jackson, and that means we're only three degrees away from Martin Luther King. Who would have thunk it? Way back when, when we were growing up in Massachusetts, in a neighborhood called Mattapan, the neighborhood we lived in was predominantly Jewish. If either of us told our family and friends that one day we'd know someone who was a friend of someone who was elevated to sainthood, who could possibly think of it or believe it? How did it happen that you, Nahu, and I would be only two degrees away from a saint? Not three degrees, just two. Catholics believe saints sit at the right hand of God. So how would we get to know anyone who knows someone who sits so close to God? At any time in our life, if we said that someday we'd be close to a saint, we'd have been considered a nut. How could I, a Jewish boy, or you know who, a Jewish girl, know someone like that? Ben Salem takes pride in its commitment to and strong program to make Ben Salem a no-place-for-hate community. The sole purpose of the program is to help people learn about the cultures and traditions that surround us, to help us to get along, to help us to stamp out bigotry. And during the week that celebrates Martin Luther King Day, we in ben Salem have a week-long celebration called Unity Week. It's a unique program and has received many awards. Every day during the celebration, there was at least one scheduled gathering at a house of worship. And you know who and I make every effort to attend as many of these houses of worship as we can. Every year, programs are held at churches, at a synagogue, a Buddhist temple, and hosted by an Islamic organization. Our mayor, Joseph DiGirolamo, is a native of Ben Salem. He's a few years older than I am. I'm not embarrassed to say that he and I have a love affair. I love him, and every time he sees me, he stops whatever he's doing. He stops talking to whoever he's talking to, and he comes over to me, shouts my name, and gives me a huge hug. In a loud voice, he announces, I love this man! When he sees other people that he knows, he doesn't greet them that way. When he sees them, he simply shakes the hand. Not that anyone has asked, but the mayor and I have a mixed relationship. He's a Republican, and I am a Democrat. The mayor has lived here all his life, The last gathering of the festive week is traditionally held at the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, a shrine for a saint, Mother Catherine Mary Drexel. It's a real place. You can look it up. A few years ago, after the formal portion of the gathering was done, the mayor was asked to say a few words. Mayor DiGirolamo never says just a few words. When he's talking about Ben Salem, he talks a lot. With a large smile on his face and with his pride in Ben Salem beaming from every pore in his body, he started to reminisce about his early life, and in so doing, he told us that he knew and was a friend of the nun Mary Drexel, who was canonized on October 1st in the year 2000. The mayor didn't know it, but Mary and you know who share a birthdate; both were born on November 26th. Before refreshments were served, I went to see the mayor. I couldn't resist. Mr. Mayor, that's how I referred to him. Mr. Mayor, you've made my day. I, a Jew, and I am less than the proverbial three degrees of separation away from a Catholic saint. Can you believe it? I am only two degrees away. I never would have believed that was possible. Who would have funk it? I can't wait to tell everyone I know how close you and I are to a saint. He smiled, he laughed, and we hugged.
2: Hi, I'm Melinda Gordon, and this is Epistle to a New Order, as read by me. I wonder what would happen if the people who are scoring and deciding for us all who is stylish, who is boring, lost their pencils and their pens, threw away their calculations, and just let the world revolve by instinctive activations. What a joy, I think, to see labels stripped and lying bared, showing differences between us, not self-consciously impaired, but celebrated, making special every nuance, every twist, hence to become big, shiny pavers toward a blissful coexistence. Sharing, laughing, mingling with those never in our circles, now within the reach of all, whether green or blue or purple, Just think of all the combos we could make with co-creation. There's nothing we'd not conquer in our blended happy nation. A dream? A joke? Some madness? Well, sir, I beg to differ. I can picture it, can't you? And it's calling us. Come hither! Intoxicating in the depth of what can happen when we cast aside our differences and start out once again. Don't miss the boat. Don't miss the flight. Don't miss the big migration. Together we can shed the skins from stifled generations. It can be done. I promise that. And your important part is taking this for truth and into your kind heart.
3: Hi. My name is Barb Stakes, and this is my story called Angel, as read by me. I hoped for dawn. The edge of sleep had moved out further, feathered and disappeared like smoke. The eyes in my mind opened wide again. I had to start all over again. Drifting once more A voice called me to relaxation. But no, the sound was soft, but it wasn't the sound of a dream. The yellow-green numbers of my clock said 307. Lifting my head, I waited. Just as I was about to concede to my imagination and fall back onto the pillow, I heard it again. I got up, and shivered as I grabbed my robe and shuffled into slippers, resigning that sleep would not be visiting me this night or even this morning. From the living room window, I could see the intersection, quiet and serene under the street light. There'd been no bang or screech of tires. So what was it? There again, I heard it soft, I cracked the front door and strained my ear against the distance as if the quiet were the noise. The intonation was not of emergency, but of need, the persistence of one word. Finally, a girl's voice, Bob, Bob. She used all of her vocal strength to call loudly, yet it wasn't. I went out on the front steps. From the darkness, the voice materialized with the white of a T-shirt. An apparition. A child. She looked 14. At 3 in the morning, I wondered at my senses. Are you okay? I asked. Her answer was not yes or no, but an explanation. My boyfriend left me. He made me get out of the car. I don't know where I am. A child left by the side of the road by probably a drunken boyfriend in the middle of the night. It was surreal. Swinging my arms, I pointed into the living room. You can come in and call your parents. My husband says I'm much too trusting and I'd spit the words out too quickly. Now I wondered if this were a ruse and Bob was actually crouching in the bushes. I don't live with my mother. She lives in Philly. She doesn't have a car. Another summation that eliminated a string of my own questions. She was dressed in jeans and a sleeveless t-shirt with no jacket. The early morning chill didn't seem to affect her while I, cold in Polytech, was grateful for the stillness of the October wind. The click and whoosh of the heater made me want the warmth of the indoors even more. Is there anyone else you can call? My words began to jump with my shiver. I can call my mom. I didn't understand. Well, please, I said, come in and use the phone. Okay, finally giving a sort of yes-no answer. I shivered again with the thought of Bob as my sight tried to penetrate the bushes. I couldn't exactly leave her standing in the cold, I told my husband and the police officer that filed the report in my imagination. I was quick to lock the door against the cold and anything else. As she passed me in the doorway... I noticed a soft roundness above her low-cut jeans. Her legs, beyond a healthy slender, gave her the false impression of tallness. Can you come get me, she said into the phone without giving her name. Can you give directions to my mom, she asked. I began to understand that mom was different from mother. Hesitantly, I gave directions to another stranger in the night. It was nearly 3.30 a.m. I was an unsure hostess. I began by offering tear milk. Finally, I made Angelina, Angel for short, she said, a cup of hot water chocolate and got out the Oreos. Thin elbows rested on the table. Her arms, so slight, reminded me of baby bird's wings and her hands fluttered with expression as she talked. Delicate fingers took up the cup. Her hands were clean, her nails were plain. Her dark brown hair, shining natural under the light, was parted in the center and hung straight and shoulder length. Her complexion was clear and soft, but the pale of her skin was less than her natural shade, as gray hinted under blue eyes. The warmth of the ceramic must have prompted a chill as she shook. Let me get you a sweater. I reigned in my haste that she might suspect insulting pity. She pushed her hair behind ears that experts would have deemed too large for beauty, but a rarity of manner produced loveliness that made beauty cliché and insignificant. She told me an encapsulation of her thus far history. She spoke with ease of how she'd been in foster homes since she was eight. My biological mother is an alcoholic. I was born alcohol dependent. I now understood her delicate limbs. My mother really loves me. She's just sick and can't take care of me. She paused but it didn't sound like afterthought when she repeated, my mother really loves me. I believed her. I've been in a lot of homes, she said. Her meaning for a home, different from mine. And the realization sunk in that she basically had no home. She searched my face to discern if I could be trusted and deciding I could, added, this last one I ran from. I suspected that she had good reasons for running, but felt intrusive to ask. As I was considering this, she went on to explain that Bob had picked her up and brought her to the bar. You know the one around the corner? I nodded. Yes, it's the main cause of accidents around here. He got mad because I wouldn't drink. I can't drink. She'd been resting her head on the roundness of her bare belly. So when he got drunk, we fought about it in the car and he told me to get out. He says I don't know how to have fun. All the while, I had hoped that I'd guessed wrong. A child about to give birth to another child. Do you go to school? I was hoping to learn that authorities were helping her through life. I got suspended. Some girl Janice stole $10 from me and started to hit me when I asked her it back. She paused as if to gather strength to continue. The school didn't want to, but the counselor thought it would be best for me to stay home. For a while, they said, it would be in my best interest, they said. That's when I called Bob to pick me up. The school didn't call your foster parents? My mind, exhausted, was now recharged, and I opened my mouth, ready to tirade against another of humanity's injustices. But I stopped, realizing she understood the irony more than me. Her situation, controlled by well-intentioned inadequacies. Any philosophical debate would only be injurious and absurd. I just shook my head. I ran cold with the thought of Bob and the probability of her future. Scant, satisfying moments between long stretches of simple survival. I vacillated between sympathy and admiration for this girl, this child. Somehow, some way, get an education that will take care of you and your baby was the best I could offer her. She nodded, her smile weak and tired, I was happy that my minuscule bit of advice was conceded. Can I lie down? I'm so tired. She lay on the couch, refusing a cover. She closed her eyes, and I was glad that she felt secure and trusting. I watched out the window, wondering, could I have set her on a better course in life while we waited for her ride? Could I have given her even a couple years' instructions in 20 minutes? My mind swirled with the impossibilities. But then, how could I offer advice for that which I had no real grasp and therefore no true wisdom? But I was hopeful of her inherent intelligence and that this someone on her way cared enough that a better life was possible. When the woman's car drove into the driveway, I barely heard the engine, but Angel did and rushed out of the door. I stood on the porch, not noticing the cold. The cliché was real. They fell into each other's arms, she and this woman, her mom. Whether they were or were not bound by blood or court didn't matter. The woman mailed, thank you. Call me if you ever need anything, My weak offer lost on her ears as I realized I never thought to give her my number. As they pulled out of the driveway, I was grateful to her mom, realizing how few existed. It was not happy waves, but strangely satisfying. I sank into the softness of an overstuffed chair just delivered last week. What took place here, I wondered. Why should such an event visit me, of all people who do not believe in God? I gained more than I offered that morning. Looking at the cute things and isn't that so sweet statuettes filling my living room, my stuff suddenly felt flimsy. Silk flowers and expensive baskets flagrant. The ridiculousness of having so much of nothing when getting by was a matter of fact for the vastness of angels.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you're listening on a podcast app, please hit the subscribe button to be notified when we release future episodes. For more information about the podcast and the authors, visit asreadbyme.com. You can also find us on Twitter, and you can stream video versions of the show on YouTube and Rumble. If you're enjoying the show and would like to help us keep it ad-free, please consider supporting us by visiting asreadbyme.com and clicking the Donate button. If you're a writer and would like to read something on an upcoming episode, send an email to writers at asreadbyme.com.